All right, let's do this. Peanut, if you're staying in the room, no talking. Welcome to the PhotoWork Podcast, the talking, touchy-feely version of my book, PhotoWork, 40 Photographers on Process and Practice. Hello, everyone. I'm Sasha Wolf, recording today at the Bearsville Theater in Woodstock, New York, joined as usual by my friend and producer, the man with the raspy voice, Mr. Michael, hmm. not feeling well, Chauvin Dalton. Michael. Not COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, you, you couldn't have gotten that in any faster. <laughs> you got to get that out of the way when you tell people you're not feeling well. I know. What is that? It's like, it's still like this weird stigma, like, oh, God. I, yeah. Yeah. People get nervous. But yeah. I mean, it's more typical normal cold flu virus, whatever is going around yeah. and shot through my house. Good, uh, good old so fashioned fast. cold. Yeah. yeah. That's right. You and I were both at the art, uh, New York Art Book Fair over the weekend, which was very fun. It was. It was. It was great to meet some people face-to-face, some guests, <laughs> past and coming yeah. up. Yes. Yeah, the New York Art Book Fair is a lot like um, APAD, the um, photo fair. It's, it's just mm-hmm. everyone shows up. So it's like a lot of hugging, um, <laughs> a lot of meeting people, a lot of schmoozing. And I, yeah, I did what yeah. I always do at the New York Art Book Fair. I left with one book, one tote bag, and one T-shirt. <laughs> I know. You, you outdid me. I left with one book and one tote bag. <laughs> no T-shirt? So many good nope. T-shirts. <laughs> I'm not a T-shirt person. It's such a strange <laughs> thing that it's an excellent place to shop, not just for yeah. books, but for clothing. It yeah. makes it fun. Yeah, yeah. for merch. And, and I'm sure that helps help some of these places. Oh, as, definitely. Yeah, as, that's partly why we will I do it. discuss a little bit today. It's not exactly the uh, the most profitable business right. in the world. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> so, a good segue. Boy, that was excellent. Um, so, our so guest... I'm such a pro. You are a pro. Thank God, one of us. Um, so, our guest today was Paul Sheik, who's the founder, uh, publisher of TBW Books. And it was really wonderful to talk to Paul. What did you think? Yeah, this was such good. This was a real insider's baseball conversation between you and Paul being on that sort of that side of the business where you're representing artists. And uh, I love Paul's ideas about why he does what he does. And I I don't want to give anything away because it's it's also good. But there's just a whole conversation about selecting artists and Mm -hmm. the way Paul thinks about business. Yeah. And collaboration yeah, obviously yeah, yeah. And, and all of those things and it's it's really really interesting really interesting. yeah it's really fun yeah. i will apologize it's not one of our best sound quality episodes paul's <laughs> paul's sound was a little wonky and my sound i shouldn't have any excuses i, sh- I shouldn't be making excuses at this you point. have one excuse i got it's hard because i really thought at this point i would just be recording from the airstream but the airstream is just not done yet and so often yeah. the guys are in there working like they are today mm-hmm. putting in the cabinets and when i recorded paul they were in there so i came yep. back to bearsville to record but the recording studio here was being used so i had to just record <laughs> in an empty room and so you will hear what sounds like an yes. empty room um 
This will be a little more en plein air style uh, podcasting. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> Paul has a lot of traffic noises and air conditioning noises. Apologies, things, yeah. everyone. Um, so, all right. Well, it's sort of a longish episode, so why don't we get to it? We have a lot of great guests coming up, and things are continue to just hum along and be really exciting. I know we keep... I know we keep teasing the website, which I swear to God is almost done. Um, <laughs> we've seen it. <laughs> yeah, we've seen it. And uh, there's other things we keep saying we're working on. We are. And everything's, of course, always a little bit more complicated than you think it's going to be and takes a little bit longer. But we're we're making a lot of progress and stuff for, for you guys, for the community. So we'll be yeah. announcing that stuff soon in detail. And there is one little teaser I'd like to put out for this show. Yeah. Paul reveals the meaning behind TBW. Oh, yeah, he and does. And what it stands yeah, for. That right. was wild. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> At first, when I asked him, he sort of hesitated. I, I think I yes. said, like, you don't have to tell me. Or, <laughs> you did. Yeah. You did. Yep. <laughs> but he did. And he does. <laughs> That's a good one. All right, right on. <laughs> well, Michael Chauvin Dalton, I hope you feel better. And if you don't mind, you. please take it away. My pleasure. And here's your conversation with Paul Sheik. Paul Sheik, welcome to the Photo Work Podcast. It's it's great to have corralled you into this. You're down in uh, Mexico, and and uh, that didn't stop us from getting a hold of you. So thank you so much. Thank thanks for having me. I'm happy to happy to be here. So Paul, as you probably know, we start every podcast with you know person's bio and background and how they got to where they are right now. So we'll get to hear the tale of your relocation. But if you could, uh, yeah, just tell us about yourself. That would be great. Sure. Yeah, I started. Uh, I started life in Wisconsin, 1977. Uh, left there when I was 18. Moved to Oakland, California. Have lived there ever since. 24, 25 years. Started uh, a family there eight years ago and recently relocated to Mexico. And then obviously there's a, just a ton of stuff that happens in between there that we could or could not get into. But No, give me the yeah. in-between. The in-between, yeah. Like how did you wind well, up in Oakland? Oakland's interesting. There, I mean, the I don't know how long of a podcast you want to do here, but the the long story is uh, <laughs> there was I was a anxious person uh, living in Wisconsin with very little things around me that I felt were interesting, and so I was constantly searching for interesting things and constantly searching for uh, I guess what we'd call culture, you know, trying to find like new things and experience new things, and so I found my way through collecting records at that time it was like mail order so you'd send your like money off and mm -hmm. buy records from from a place that was you know usually in california or something and then a couple weeks later you get the record in the mail and that and magazines i was constantly trying to find magazines so you could go to a mall maybe there'd be like a magazine a bookstore that had a magazine section and just pour through all that stuff and try to find find things of interest and eventually um you know, I was really interested in like punk rock and we were traveling a lot to like try to find shows. So we were going to Green Bay or we we're going to Milwaukee or if you're lucky, you could get to Chicago. This is like 14, 15 years old. Really into like skateboarding. I mean, it's the same story that everybody seems to have, but it's like I was just searching for things. And eventually 
you know, it was like San Francisco was this place to go. I got a ticket, me and my friend, um, one-way ticket on an airplane. First time I'd flown, uh, went to San Francisco, got there. It was like extremely brutal to try to like, you know, we were, we had ju- I had just turned 18. So, you know, trying to find an apartment, it was just like, you know, we didn't have like a rental portfolio or anything. So it just <laughs> wasn't, it just wasn't happening, you right. know? Uh, so we ended up staying in like these hotels that you could rent by the week and it was just brutal. You know, eventually I had he- heard from other people, you know, like over in Oakland, like, you know, people are living in these warehouses, they're like 200 bucks a month. There's 12 people living in it. It's like, you can do whatever you want. And I was just like, it just made sense to me. Like, okay, this is what I need to do. So there's a little stint in between there. I'd gone back to Wisconsin for a little bit. I'd like, there's little love stories involved or whatever. But I, I eventually ended back in California, maybe a year later or six months later and went straight to Oakland. And it was like, hadn't, that was it. I just never left, you know, and Oakland was this place at the time. I mean, this was like 1997, 98, mm-hmm. 99, you know, it's this place where you just, anything went, you know, it was just this amazing, I mean, it was super scary. It was super like dirty it was super dark but it but also like within there there was this ability to just kind of do whatever you wanted people didn't mess with you it was just cheap you could just do what you wanted and it was awesome so lived in warehouses and kind of was meeting people and hanging out and doing that thing and going to a ton of shows a lot of like music was happening in warehouses and so it was just a pretty amazing time and uh yeah just never left and started a life there and just started meeting people and scratching out a way to live in Oakland. And, uh, you know, Wisconsin's this huge part of my life, but Oakland's this larger part of my life, to be honest. Cause I was in, it was in Wisconsin for 18 years. And obviously those are the super formative years, but Oakland was like 18 until recently, you know, which are also crazy formative <laughs> time of your Absolutely. life. And like, like I said, I started a family there. I started a business there. I started most of my life lessons. Like I, I kind of say like Wisconsin instilled, certain ethics in me, mm-hmm. but Oakland kind of raised me, you know, turned me into the person I am today. So the adult, yeah. The adult, yeah. So Oakland's this huge thing for me. And so it it was really it was really weird to relocate to Mexico. Not weird. It was just like a emotional, you know, it was mm-hmm. like a really emotional thing. Like, oh am I turning my back on this place that I consider family, you know? And I haven't turned my back on it. I mean we we still go back to Oakland. A lot of our friends are there. We you know, I I'll always have a connection to Oakland, but Right now we live in Mexico and it's been this um, kind of new chapter for us. And um, it's been really awesome. You know, it's been really like new and exciting. And, I, I and you know, I feel a similar sense of, I don't know what the word is, invigoration. You know, like I feel like invigorated in a way. Yeah, well, when things are new, it's it's invigorating. Totally. And I feel that here in the same way that I felt that about Oakland, like in the nineties, you know, it was, it's like, Oh, anything goes here. I can do anything. I can be anybody. I can do anything. Nobody's like messing with me. If you want to build a house, build a fucking house. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. It's just, it's just wild here. It's just amazing. So we've been having a good time and my kids in school and you know, we're just kind of exploring and learning Spanish and, you know, doing all the things. So it's been, it's been, it's been great. What's the story gets you to be, you know, one of the most respected and important photo book publishers? How did we get there? Thank you for saying that. It's true. Thank you. It means a lot to hear that. Well, 
you know, I was essentially just kind of living and existing for a long period of time. I went to art school really late in life, not late in life, late by art school standards, mm -hmm. you know? So that period from like 18 to, I don't know, 27 was just like living, working jobs, getting by, enjoying life, but living not a healthy life. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> I was mm -hmm. having a good time, but it wasn't like necessarily healthy or productive. And at some point that wears off, you know, at some point there's a decision to be made of like, okay, what, what's the next chapter look mm -hmm. like and where do we go from here? And I had no formal education. I had no, no real expectations placed on me by, by anybody. So it was just kind of like easy for me to just kind of be cruising along. But at some point it was like, I need to make a change or I go into my thirties doing this, you mm -hmm. know, and that's, and that's hard. So it was really simply, what are my interests? What, what might I be good at? I had been taking photographs of like bands that were playing in warehouses and things mm -hmm. like that. And there were friends that were around, but, but I didn't know, I had never even heard of Robert Frank or anything. So mm -hmm. it was like, you know, I had, okay, it's time to go to art school. There was one in Oakland called California College of Arts and Crafts. What do I do to apply there? I wiggled my way through the application process and for whatever reason I was accepted and it was like literally like day one, my world just completely changed mm -hmm. like 180 <laughs> degrees. I had all of a sudden just seen all these resources. There was a computer room with like 15 computers in it. Mm -hmm. I'd never been on a computer. I didn't have an email address, none of that. It was this really exciting new thing for me where it was like, okay, I have this potential where my life can just completely change. And so I became obsessed with school in a weird way and, and thus photography. So I met, met people that had knowledge of photography that I didn't have and it excited me. You know, I was like, what is this thing? What, you know, like, like I remember being in a class on day one and seeing like a Jeff Wall photograph and being like, what is this? Like what, like it looks like a mundane photograph. And then I found out he recreated it and it took him six months to recreate it. And it just like, it was so confusing to me, but also so exciting, mm -hmm. you know, like why, why would someone do that? Why is that considered mm -hmm. art? Why is that worth a million dollars? Why is that? Why is that? Why is that? Why is that? You know? And mm -hmm. so I just started investigating these things and then, you know, then I saw like, I'll be your mirror by Nan Goldman or whatever, you know, it's just like, you know, the library just like opened up this whole thing where it yep. was like, these books are just here. And I can just look at them all day long. Um, so I just, you know, I rarely left school. Obviously, I had other jobs and things. But if I wasn't working, I was at school. Like I'm talking like if I could be at school 24 hours a day, I'd be there at 24 hours a day, you know. And I'd be in the library. I'd be in the dark room. I'd be just, you know. And so I just became literally obsessed with photography. And people that know me closely, that's not a surprise to them. Like whatever I'm into, I'm into it like 110%. Uh -huh. And yep. fortunately, at that point in my life... It was photography, you know, yeah. because that's like a weird stage of life where it can, those yeah. things. It's a healthy obsession. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And I just got so into it and I got so interested in it and I just wanted to know everything about it. And then, you know, coming from no money and not having resources, uh, financial resources, books became really interesting to me because mm -hmm. it was like, you could go to the library and it was like all in one place and it was perfectly organized. And that made a lot of sense to me. Um, this idea that like photography can be placed into this container that can be mm -hmm. carried or it can be shipped or like, you know, all those things made a lot of sense to me. The gallery system and the museum, the institutions didn't really make sense to me because I didn't feel comfortable in them. So I didn't feel comfortable walking into a gallery. I didn't feel comfortable walking into a museum. And so the book made a lot of sense to me because it was like, 
you could keep it in your own space. You didn't have to talk to anybody else about it. You didn't have to run into anybody else while you were looking at it. Cause I was still nervous to be looking at this stuff, you know, cause it wasn't my world. It was, mm -hmm. it was, it was like this new thing. It wasn't taboo, but it was like this new thing for me. And so I wasn't comfortable necessarily letting other people know that this was my new like obsession, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, so the book thing made a lot of sense cause I would just sit in the library and look and be like, wow, what is, you know, it's like, uh, Imogen Cunningham, like, what kind of name is that? What is, who is this person? Mm -hmm. what, what am I looking at here? Okay, this is, you know, Twinka. She's nude in a forest. Like, that's photography? Mm -hmm. I've never seen that before. <laughs> okay, this is amazing. Mm -hmm. And equally stimulated by the Germans and Struth and thinking about how big this photo can be. Gursky, it's this big. And, it, you know, it couldn't be any more different from Imogen, but it was just equally as interesting to me because it was new, you know? So I just became really obsessed for lack of a better word. I kind of hate that word obsessed, but, it, but that's what it was. It became this new obsession and interest of mine. And I just went 110%. So I'm not really answering your question about how I got into publishing, but that, that's sort of the backstory of like how I got interested in photography. And then from there, it was like, I'd already been really interested in, and also making what are called zines, you know, now I, I just, I was already participating in publishing on some level, although I was publishing mm -hmm. things in editions of like 20 and I was consuming all these things through magazines and trading people and looking at different like printed material. Mm -hmm. And so the idea was just really simple to me, like, okay, I'm going to make printing and publishing my new obsession, which is photography. Whether that was my own photography or whether that was other people's was to be determined. But moving ahead, I finally got to the point of graduation and it was time to make a show of the photographs I'd been making. And the idea was you print this show and at the time it was like 40 by 50 was the size that everyone was printing these photographs. <laughs> it, just didn't, it, just didn't, it just didn't make any sense to me. You know, it was I just remember. like, I'm going to... Yeah, I'm going to make these like large scale photographs. I'm going to like pay to mount them, maybe pay to frame them. And then I have to put them in this gallery and five people are going to come and look at it and they're all going to be my friends. And then I'm going to have to like store this stuff somewhere. It just didn't make any sense, you know? So I, I thought what's much more interesting to me is like to ask my professors if I could make my show be a book. Mm -hmm. And they were very supportive of that idea. And then it became, you know, everybody was asking, well, who's going to publish it? Who's going to publish it? And I, you know, I was like, well, all the books I'm looking at, they say Steidel on them. They say Powerhouse. They say Nazrelli. They say Twin Palms. And like, I don't know any of those people at those places. Mm -hmm. And I doubt <laughs> if I send my, my idea to Steidel, I'm going to get a response. You know? So it's just kind of this, like in my mind, it was just obvious, like, cause right. I've done everything like this myself. Ever since I was a kid, it was like, if you want to build a boat, you build a boat. If you mm -hmm. want to, you know what I mean? If you want to, I do. If you want to go, go across the country, you go across the country. You don't ask someone else how to do it. You just do it. And so like, it just made a lot of sense to me to just be like, well, I'll be the publisher then. Yeah. It was just this, it was just this really obvious thing. Like, oh, I'll, I'll just publish the book. And I had an ambition to publish like one book, you know, right? my senior show. And I don't know, it was just this challenge. Like, how do you publish a book? What is a book? What, like, what, what are the components of a book? What's the structure of a book? And I just treated it like building a house, you know, it was like, okay, you need a foundation. I guess the foundation's paper and then you need paint. I guess the paint is ink and you have X amount of resources. And so I just looked at it like very, I guess, pragmatically is the right way to say it. Like I just mm -hmm. was like, here's the pieces I need to make a book. And so I looked around Oakland and I said like, how can I print things? Actually, the story, the story really is this. 
as part of your senior show, you had to print a postcard and a postcard announcing your show so that you'd leave these postcards around town and people would come to your show. And they had these, you know, they had these suggestions like, oh, why don't you print a postcard at this place? And you can get 500 postcards for $99 and you give them this code and they'll print your postcard. And I, so I said, oh, okay, I've got this in on a printer. I can get 500 postcards for $100. Well, what if I had 20 postcards? That would be a 40 page book front and back, you know? And so that's how I started like attacking the, the issue. Mm-hmm. And so I printed, um, I went there and I told them I had a publishing company. I asked for a meeting and I sat there and I said like, could I get a 10% discount if I included your name <laughs> name in the back of my book, you know? And they're just like, oh, sure, Good whatever, guys. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I just was like, I want to print a large, large amount of postcards with you. And they're like, oh, cool. What are you talking? And I'm like, 20 postcards. And like to them, that they're, they're used to doing like a million inserts for like the local, mm-hmm. you know, mag- for like a magazine or something. So they kind of laughed at me, but whatever. I was taking it really seriously. And I just I just was like, for $99, I can get 500 postcards and one side's color and the other side's black and white. So I just made this maquette and I said, like, if this photograph on the side of this postcard is color, then the, the photograph on the back side can be black and white. And I just like laid up a thing like that. What if I wanted to do a full spread, then postcard number 2B and postcard 3A could join together and be a full spread, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's totally like the opposite of signatures. It's like almost Japanese style, like plate binding, you know, where you're just like laying piece, sheets of paper up against each other and then binding them that way. Mm-hmm. And, but it really like trained my mind to think about like laying things out. And like, because they were printed on separate forms, they were like, one would have like two points magenta in the black and whites, you know, and the other one would have like, three points yellow in the, um, in the black and white on the other. So when you laid them up, they had this funky like pagination. It didn't work out at all, but <laughs> it's charming, I guess. And it was like my attempt at making a book and not a zine, you know, cause I was like mm-hmm. taking it so seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, at some point I wanted to do that again. And then at some point I wanted to do it again. And then every time I did it, I was like, well, I want to work with like better photographs. I want to work with a better printer. I want to work with better materials. I want to make it bigger. So then they went from four by six postcards to five by seven postcards. And it was just this constant attempt at making something more, you Mm -hmm. know, like making it bigger, making it better, making it printed nicer, working with different artists. And it just like snowballed. Well, it didn't snowball. I pushed the peanut forward like Mm -hmm. inch by inch by Mm -hmm. inch by inch. And And when Sorry, go ahead. No, I just constantly was like, obsessed again with like figuring this problem out. Like what is a publishing company? Why does it exist? Right. What, what's the purpose of it? Who can benefit from it? How, how do you fund it? You know, and all those things, like it was, it wasn't interesting for me to like go have someone else do that. Right. I was interested in figuring that out myself. And so trial and tribulation, sweat, tears, that whole thing, you know, just became, it just is to where it is now. I mean, that's a simplified answer, but it's... But, well, I'll start poking around. You know. So, first of all, what does TBW stand for? So, that goes back to um, when I was graduating from school and I was making that one book. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is... It's not a million-dollar question, but I'm asked this so... I'm asked this often and yeah, it's I'm like sure. I'm always reluctant to like answer it. But you don't have to. I'm happy to. Because so much time has passed, it just doesn't matter to me anymore. But like, so I thought I'd make one book 
and it would be my senior thesis and then mm -hmm. I would never publish again. So I, I was like, what, you know, the antagonistic side of me was like, everybody in my class has these photographs of birds flying through the air. And I was like, man, it's just not me. Like, it's not, you know what I mean? Like it, that's, I don't feel majestic, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I feel like I'm of the earth, you know, like I'm working class. I'm like struggling all the time, like emotionally and financially. And I just, I, I wanted to like poke fun at that, mm -hmm. that, that idea. And so when it, you know, I'd look in the back of books and I kind of copied like the credits. Cause I had no idea what an ISBN was. I didn't know what these things were. And so I thought it'd be funny to just like open a book and then like change what I saw there and just randomly put stuff in. So mm -hmm. it was like, you know, printed in Europe. And I just say like printed in Oakland, you know, mm -hmm. or, you know, I just like changed it all. And when it came time to like published by, I just thought, well, here's this inside like little prod at my cohort and it'll be an inside joke that like eight people will understand. And so I, I called it these birds walk. And so <laughs> the idea was like, my birds have to walk, you know, to work. And it was sort of this classist kind of like thing. I like it. And so these birds walk, TBW. And I had this little logo of a bird and it had like all these legs and it, you know, it's just like whatever. And that was at the back of the book. So published by these birds walk. And as the years went on and as I like kept taking this like more and more seriously and it started to become what resembled somewhat of a business. You know, it was embarrassing to be like, oh, yeah, you can, you know, the company, you know, you go to apply for like a business license and it's like, what's the business called? Oh, these birds walk. It just became like ridiculous, you know. <laughs> so, in an attempt to sort of validate or professionalize what, what I was doing, I took the route of making it sound more like a gallery or something. I right. just changed it to, T to TBW. You know, it means something to me. It, it's funny. It's almost like a band name, you know, like when a band starts, they have yeah. these names and you think yeah. about it really intensely. Like, oh my God, the band is called blah, blah, blah. But then after like the third record, it's just like, you don't even think about it. It's just the band name and you just say it without thinking about it, <laughs> no matter how dumb it sounds or whatever. And that's what TBW has come, become for me. It's just kind of this, this name that's attached to like me and my, my efforts in publishing, you know? So. Well, I like that story. Yeah. So let's talk about those efforts because in all seriousness, TBW is one of the, you know, top uh, photo book publishers. And I guess the sort of, you know, first question that I have and that I know a lot of other people will probably have is how do you decide on the, the books you're going to publish? You know, is there a program? Is there some ethos? Is there... Yeah you know, some parameters or, you know, is it, I like it, I'll publish it. Yeah. It's a great question. And the answer is that I'm not a business person. You know, I think I wanted to be a business person. I want, you know, I wanted to make smart business decisions, but at the core of this whole thing is like, I'm an artist, you know, and I'm a visual person with a strong desire to like, work with visual people who are the best at what they do. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I choose. Like I have to be interested in the project mm -hmm. because if it's based on a business decision, then why, why would I try to do that within publishing? Why wouldn't I just bite the bullet and go work in a factory or why, what, you know what I mean? Where it's like more secure than publishing, mm -hmm. you know, publishing like as a business, one of the like most insane things you could try to do, you know, it's just not smart business to, to like, 
print these objects, uh, especially in a digital age, you know, it just doesn't make any financial sense. And so when coming to terms with that, I have to look at myself and realize like the only reason you'd continue doing this is because you're absolutely like obsessed and passionate about mm-hmm. it. And so if that's it, and I'm, you know, there's only so many hours in our, in our life, it's like, if you're going to spend an obnoxious amount of hours every week working on this, on this thing, then you better be doing that because it like really satisfies you and fulfills you. And so that's the, that's the criteria. Like I have to be, I I often say to people like, I, none of us are going to be making enough money doing this, either the artist or the publisher for us to not enjoy the process. Like I say, if, if, if I'm not willing to like have dinner with you or let you sleep on my couch because we're making a book together. Like if I don't want you sleeping on my couch because I don't like you as a person, then why would I do this? You know what I mean? So I do know what you mean. A, yeah. So it truly is this attempt at like, you know, creating community and finding finding like-minded friends that I want to work with. And that's that's my, some, my philosophy. Make, that's how I run my yeah, business. So Yeah, you have to. And it's not, um, that doesn't mean it pays off on a business level, but it pays off on a life level it makes me feel like i'm a real human being mm-hmm. um makes me feel like i'm contributing and assisting others well using it's a nice way to my live, resources right i mean yeah. how does a project come to you i mean how often are you going out i mean a lot of these questions are you know questions people ask me too so there's just a ton of mm-hmm. overlap but how often yeah. is a project you know being pitched to you versus you you know, knowing about an artist you're interested in and going out and, and sort of uh, going after the project yourself? Yeah, it's a great question. And you know what? It's really shifted a lot lately for me. So people are pitching things to us all the time, but I, I rarely am finding things that way that mm-hmm. are like stimulating to me, you know? In the beginning, I was going out and seeking, right? Because I was like trying to build this thing. And so I was seeking out projects Mm -hmm. and seeking out working with certain artists. And that's really changed pretty dramatically for me lately. And I've been way more stimulated in finding artists that maybe are unknown or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, because I, I'm following, yeah, undervalued or I'm finding, I'm finding much more enjoyment in what I call like being of service, like trying to like use, the resources I have and help other people round out their projects. Cause the truth is a lot of like really amazing photographers are not amazing designers or conceptualists. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're like really, they're really great at making images, but that's where it ends for them, mm-hmm. you know? And then I can come in and help them make a book and say like, well, you know, this was shot in this area of the country, you know, this region of the country, which makes me think of dusty roads. What if we decided to print on this kind of paper, you know? And so Mm -hmm. that's where I come in and help them like actually craft a book out of it. But I'm much more interested in in, um, working with artists that I find super interesting as opposed to, oh, this, this is like a good career move or something like that, you know, because I don't, I still don't think of this as a career, you know? (laughs) Oh, I have news for you. you Um, Yeah. Well, you know, I, I recently, last season I interviewed Mimi Plum and I feel like you definitely had a hand in sort of raising Mimi's profile and, and a lot of people really discovered who she is. Was Landfall the first book you did with her? Yeah, and it's the only book I've yeah, done the with only her, book. actually. Yeah, 
I mean, is is that a good example of sort of what you're talking about? Yeah, I think it's a great example, actually. I, you know, I worked in a frame shop for a long time, for a decade, actually, doing high-end framing for customers and, you know, working with museums and galleries and things like that. So, at one point, there were two of those Mimi plum prints in the shop, and I remember going in. I always worked at night. Mm-hmm. I like always would go in at late, late at night, so I didn't have to be around other people. Just do my own thing. And so I remember going in and seeing two of those, like, and I just immediately, I had no idea when they were from or who made them or anything, mm-hmm. but I just remember thinking, like, whoever made these, I want to talk to them like, right. immediately. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I remember like leaving a note on them, like, hey, when this artist picks this up, can you have them call me? And at some point, you know, we got in touch and I, we had looked at the stuff and I honestly didn't know if that work was contemporary or if it was 45 years old. Mm-hmm. I honestly didn't know, mm-hmm. you know, and that was fascinating mm-hmm. to me. Like, holy shit. Like anytime photography can do something unexpected, I'm like generally interested. I don't care if that's digital or analog or whatever. Mm-hmm. Whenever I'm like, holy shit, I didn't know this could happen, <laughs> you know? And so when looking at the archive, it was like, okay, there's clearly something incredible here, but I don't know how to organize it. I don't know what it's about, you know? And so that book took me, Landfall took me like over three years, wow. you know, of me, of me just like sitting with the work late at night and looking at it and being like, what is this? What is this about? Mm-hmm. What like... This isn't about global warming. This isn't about the war in Iraq. This isn't, you know, it's like, this is like bigger than that, you know? And so it just was this really meditative process of like whittling down like, hey, what what would an edit look like, you know? It's funny because like you look at that landfall project and I've looked on the hard drive at cover designs and I'm not kidding. I bet you there's 45 cover designs. Mm-hmm. I'm not like, no, I'm not like exaggerating. Mm-hmm. I think there's probably 45 cover designs. Mm-hmm. And that was just like, you know, I'm always interested in how little can be given to an audience. How simple can the idea be for maximum effect? Mm -hmm. Like that's something I think of all the time with printing and making these books, you know? And so you land on this cover design and it's like nothing, you know? It's like, it's just this very, very minimal cover design. Mm -hmm. And that was like, I was with my kid at like this place in Oakland. People are true Oaklanders, they know when I say this, but there's this place, Fairyland there. And it's essentially like this place that was designed in the fifties by this guy and everything's homemade and everything, all the signs are hand painted. And it's just this really amazing place. I'm sitting there watching my kid play and I'm looking at this lettering on the wall that somebody had painted 70 years ago. And I'm thinking, holy shit, that's the cover of this book. Mm -hmm. And it took like three years and just a random Sunday afternoon with my kid in this place called fairyland to like find that font you know and you know i made 40 other designs before that and so it's like that kind of thing like time becomes this element to making books that people Mm -hmm. don't consider like i'm a huge believer in time like time with photography photography plus time equals something more you know and time has to be a factor and so when people are like hey i'd like to publish this book and i say i'm really interested in it and they're like i need it by I need it in six months because I'm having this show. I generally am just like, and I'm out. You know, like that's not going to work for me because you're not allowing time to be a factor. Mm -hmm. And with landfall, time had to be this thing. It had to be in place in order for me to understand the, the work and figure out what it was. So I'm really like adamant about that time, time, slow everything down and let it kind of age and settle in and let, let, um, nature become sort of like, 
you know, almost like spiritual, spiritual, you know, let, let it, let it kind of like fall into place. And that's where you have to take, you have to take business out of it. Right. Cause if business is directing those decisions, then who has time? No one, no one has time because they need the money, you know? And so I just sort of decided that like, okay, business can't really be a part of this. Obviously it has to on some level, you know, but like I try to stay out of that as much as possible and just let it, you know, I just want to make the best book possible, have it be impactful and have it last a long time. You know, like if, if a book isn't really that interesting after two years because the design of the book fades away or something, then I don't think, you know, it's a successful book, even if it sold 5,000 or 50,000 copies or whatever the case is, you know, it's not interesting to me if it's not good after two years, you know, I, I have a couple mentors in publishing and like one of them said to me, one time that like, if you can look at one of your books after 10 years and you're still interested in flipping through it, then it's a successful book, mm-hmm. you know, 10, 10 years. Cause they're that important. You know, they're, we're putting these things out in the world. They're physical objects that presumably are going to be around after us. And, um, that's important. You know, that's a really like heavy responsibility. And so to just kind of plug and play and put the images in there and just keep barfing these books out into the world, like doesn't make any sense to me and it doesn't excite me. And so, you know, I'm trying to do less books annually. Like I, I want to continue to try to remove myself from that, that treadmill. And like, I'm tr- so I'm trying to actually do less books annually, less titles, but make them much better books. You know, I'd rather do one landfall every two years than 10 titles every year that I'm like, that I think are okay and they keep the business running. I'd rather do the, the former. How often do you get a book, it sounds to me, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, like, you know, you really want to be a main part of the editing and sequencing. And that I assume if you're not, that that's not as interesting a project to you. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've really only done two books out of, I don't know how many I've done, but I've only done two books where I wasn't a part of the edit and design on a major level. Um, And so I'm not going to sit here and say like, this is what distinguishes TBW from other publishers. Cause I don't, I don't really know how other publishers do it, but I do, I do know that like, for me, I come, I come to it as an artist, you know? Yeah. And I had to make a realization at some point that like, I'm more comfortable in the background and I'm more comfortable assisting others, you know, and I'm better at it than being the artist. Like I, I've worked with certain artists where I'm like, Oh shit, I get it. That's what a real photographer is like, where they'll like lay down in traffic to get the shot. They have to do it. And I'm like, uh, that's not for me. Like I'm, I don't, I'm not interested in being out there that way, getting photographs, but I am interested in like doing that on the backside of things. Like, you know, I understand. Yeah. Yeah. And so I found this little comfortable position that I'm in as a publisher, but as an artist, I am like, have to be really really in there. And so it's really like, um, it starts with editing, you know, the project generally comes to me and there's, you know, let's just say for the sake of conversation, 500 photographs that make up a body of work. Well, well, Paul, let me me just, let's use a book as an example that I think a lot of people know. And I also think it ties back to what you were saying about doing less books, but doing books that are of great consequence, whether it's like you said, the the materials you're using or the impact it's having, et cetera. So I'm thinking of Kern's new, of Kern Hadelberg's 
uh, last book, new book with you. Um, I don't know what constitutes new anymore, but anyway, it still came out last year, this past year, um, River's sure. Dream. So yeah. let's talk about that, you know, process and how you and Curran, if you, as much as you feel comfortable, yeah, work together on that. Yeah. Th- this one is an example of somewhat of an outlier because uh, the okay. sorry because and the, <laughs> no no it's it's okay it's okay because Curran is truly like one of the exceptional kind of like great photographers of our time in my opinion I of agree course. but I but I I'm just like so in awe of what he does with a camera and talk about time time is like this huge element to Curran Curran will call me from the road and he'll be like hey man like you know I'm in wherever. I'll be like, Oh, cool. Are you making photos? He's like, no, we've been like, I've been hanging out in this shack with this guy for like three days drinking. His mom's been making us food and like, we're hanging out and like, I think I might make a photo tomorrow. It's like that in today's day and age is absurd. Right. But what happens is it it comes through in the photos. Mm -hmm. You can tell that like, there's something about time and the way he makes photos and the amount of time he takes making photos mm-hmm. that comes through in the photos. Um, I'm constantly amazed by by Curran and his process. So I'm, let's I'm use like, a, another book as an example of of your process. If 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 Curran is not a good example, because I want to hear about your process. Um, okay. Okay. So you you pick. Can it be a book maybe people haven't seen? I mean, they've of, got like a bunch of books coming of out. Of course, that like absolutely. Would be a great, okay, so a good a good example I think of that is a woman named Peggy Nolan, who the book is actually on the boat coming coming over to, to our warehouses in Oakland now. Exciting. Yeah, it's always exciting. It's always like nerve-wracking and exciting. Obviously, I've seen proofs of it, so I know it's printed well and I know what the final book looks like. But when you see those pallets of books come to you, you know, it's like – Okay, we did it. Yeah. We did this again. Yep. You know, it's really kind of like exciting. But Peggy's amazing. So she was a single mother who raised seven kids in Florida and photographed them the whole time. And so she had this body of work. It's all black and white. And the, the way that I think about it when I first saw it was it was like looking at Larry Clark, but from like a loving mother's perspective. Mm-hmm. So these kids are like doing – these kids are like smoking pot. They're like making out. They're like having sex in her house. They're like doing all this stuff that – seven kids with a single mother would do, but she photographed it all. And so I'm looking at this body of work and like, I'm thinking, holy shit, like this is a responsibility, right? Because like, we don't have another chance to show this book. You know what I mean? This is, this is the book. This is essentially her life's work. And it's my job to figure out what to do with this and how to present it. And so that, that is like, what size is the book? What color is the book? What um, font do we use for the book? What paper is the book printed on? Where do we print it in China and Europe? Is there nudity in it? Do we really want to show a picture of their absentee father who recently passed away? Who do we ask to write an afterword? Is the afterword from a academic point of view or is it from a poetic point of view? You know what I mean? Like all of these decisions Mm -hmm. add up to being a successful book or an unsuccessful book. And that all takes time. You can't phone that in. And so... I'm looking at probably I'd say 500 photographs and I'm thinking, you know, I'd like to get this down to about 80 or 90 photographs. And so you start doing an edit and you start seeing themes emerging and you start seeing, hey, is this the same kid? But 10 years later, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, obviously I want to do right by Peggy. So I'm meeting with her and maybe she's in town for a week. And so we have dinner and then I show her an edit and I'm nervous to show it to her because what if she hates it, but I love it. And, you know, you just kind of whittle away from there. And then 
And then it starts becoming this thing. And I, and there's so much of it is intuition, you know, like so much of it is just like, I feel like this book should be this size, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And it's all based on my, obviously it's based on my own interests, but it's also based on my own like research, right? Like, cause I'm constantly looking at books. I'm constantly buying books, trading books, looking at books, thinking about books. And so a lot of times, you know, I'll say like, look, I don't know why, but I was taking a shower this morning and I, and I was thinking about the book and I just feel like it should be this intimate object and it should be, you know, only about eight inches high and a vertical orientation. And so then I just go to my shelf and I start like pulling out books that are that height and I lay them all on the table and then I start, start going through it. And I, Or maybe I'll go just by subject matter. Okay, what other mothers have photographed their children? So I'll go grab my Sally Manns and I'll grab, you know what I mean? Or who? what other mm-hmm. photographers have photographed packs of wild kids, you know? So I might go grab my Larry Clark books. I might go grab, you know what I mean? And I pull them all out and I start just studying and just start thinking like, okay, what, what am I trying to achieve here? What am I trying to say here? And if that's aligned with, if the artist is comfortable with what I'm trying to say and, and convey, then we're on the right track, you know? And I, and like, you know, you stumble along the way and you try 40 different covers. I remember with this book, she was talking about you know, raising these kids in these orange groves, these citrus groves in Florida. And so I was like, okay, this book has to be like bright orange, you know? And at some point she was like, you know, the orange is like lame. I hate that color. Like I, I lived in that. I don't want an orange book. And I thought, well, isn't it interesting? It references the citrus. And she was like, no, I don't want that. And like, you know, that, so that idea just died on the vine. Mm -hmm. And you, you know, you, so you can't rush these things. They just have to like, you have to have these conversations with these artists and, ask them what, what they want. You know, there was something that happened with that book where at the beginning, there's just like this little prose that was written and it's something to the effect of, I don't have it in front of me, but something to the effect of like between the years of 1972 and 1984, I raised seven kids on my own. All of them are still alive today. Occasionally their father would stop by the house. And one time he tried to teach himself to um, juggle grapefruits in my living room. He didn't succeed at that either. (laughs) <laughs> and that was like this thing that she and I kind of wrote together. You know, mm-hmm. I was like, so did, did the father ever come by? Right. And, yeah. you know, and, and so we kind of like created this little poetic kind of thing, a foreword for the book, right? Well, during the process of making the book, the this father passed away. And, she, you know, she called me and she said, hey, I just want to let you know that the kid's father just passed away. And I don't think I'm comfortable anymore with the writing at the beginning of the book because it was such a dig. You know, like, oh, he didn't succeed at that either. And I should mention the name of the book is called Juggling is Easy. And, you know, by just simply removing the he didn't succeed at that either, it all of a sudden the the writing at the beginning of the book almost became like a subtle tribute to their father. Mm -hmm. And like everybody was all of a sudden like really comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. It, He was a man who lived and died. And so we didn't want to be digging at him. Yeah, You know, we didn't want to like take the low road. We wanted to take the high road. And so... You know, we had to edit along the way and it's those little, 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 little things that like all add up to something being right or wrong, in my opinion, right or wrong when it comes to making these books, you know? Well, it's really moving to me to hear how personal it all is for you. I mean, A, just in a sort of narcissistic way because I work in a very similar fashion, but I also believe this is what makes a a good life, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So I, it's, it, it is really just so moving. And, and I know you have these really beautiful relationships with people, whether someone like Kern Hattelberg is, you know, comes in with, 
you know, more of knowing what he wants. I don't know if that's the case or not, but um, but I know that you've done, you know, Curran has, well, he has three books, but one of them he did with his partner, but he has his two main monographs, both of which he's, he's done with you. And so obviously that's a very meaningful relationship to him. Yeah. All of, all I've been trying to do, and this is a, I feel like I've said this so many times, I, I hope it's not boring to people, but you know, I grew up, it's, it sounds corny to say, but I grew up in like this, this whole punk scene, you know? And like, so there was, I was observing people running record labels where they'd print 500 copies of their record and they were in the band, but they also ran the label and they would, you know, there was this whole community and I wasn't a musician, you know, but I was like, I was observing all of this because my friends were in the bands or whatever the case was. And I was like, wow, this is like so incredible. Everybody's like helping each other out. And, you know, there's this community. And when I found photography, it was like, I'm building that. I'm doing that exact same thing, but with my my interest, which is photography. And so I've always treated TBW as like a record label, you know, that is like an independent record label. And that means that we're going to like war together. You know, it's a, it's like really hard to make a book. You know what I mean? It's really hard. It mm-hmm. takes tremendous amount of like effort and you argue over fonts and it's expensive and time consuming. And so you're, you're like, if I can't go to war with you, like family, then why am I doing this? You know? And so I'm always attempting to build these relationships that are like family. And that's always been my intent is to, to create this little family of wildly creative and interesting artists that have a place to express themselves. And that place is TVW books. You know, that's always just been my my dream and my goal. And sometimes it's been successful and sometimes it hasn't, you know, um, but that's always been at the core of it. I oftentimes think like, yeah, I guess I own TBW books or I'm the founder or whatever. Like if I had a business card, it would say founder, or whatever. but, but really it's like, I like to think of it as like a home for everybody. You know, it's just kind of like, it's all of ours, mm-hmm. you know, this isn't mine. It's like this thing that we've all built together. I just happen to be the one who started it. Yeah. I call Sasha Wolf projects a cooperative. So yeah. Some people may say that I am indeed actually a tyrant, but I, I no, no one <laughs> would say that. Um, so let me just ask you, because we're coming to the end here, sort of practical wrap up question for artists out there who are trying to get the attention of someone like you. What do you, do you have a preference of what you want to see? I mean, if someone submits a sort of fully realized maquette versus just a PDF or, you know, a bunch of image, you know, uh, images that they haven't sequenced. I mean, how do you like to have new work come to you? The answer to this, I get this question from time to time. And the answer to this is very unsatisfying for the person asking the question that, it's that there isn't a formula. You know yeah, what I mean? There's I, not one thing right. I like. And that's you know fine. what I mean? That's so, a good answer. That's okay. Yeah. I'm doing a book right now with an artist named Alice Wong. And she is a member of an artist group in Oakland mm-hmm. called Creative Growth. And it's a it's an incredible place that facilitates art making for artists with severe disabilities. And I um, they have a fundraiser each year. My wife does all the hair for them, for their fashion, their fashion show mm-hmm. each year as a fundraiser. And we've been, you know, supporting and, 
and going to all the events for years and years and years and collecting from them. And a couple of years ago, I've always wanted to be, you know, do projects within the community of Oakland and participate on a community level. Like I wanted to like sponsor a little league team, TBW books, like little league team, shit like that. You know, I've always wanted to like participate in my community and give back to my community. Um, so this idea of working with creative growth was like really important to me. And I had bought a piece that Alice had made and it's a, a vintage photograph that she painted over with, with markers. And I got the piece, framed it, put it in my house, lived with it. And it was like, why am I not doing a book of this stuff? Why, why, why not? And so I went to Creative Growth, told them I'd love to do a book of Alice's work. And my point is, is like that, I just am in love with that work and wanted to figure out a way to make a book. And Alice had no ambition or desire to make a book of it. She just wants to make these, she just wants to paint on these photographs. And so that's one way. And occasionally I'll be speaking or doing what are they called? Like portfolio critiques for, you know, something. And I'll meet people that way. And I'll say like, God, this is really interesting work. We should keep in touch. Or can you send me a PDF of this, this stuff? And then sometimes, you know, I've been for well over a decade, like extremely active at the book fairs and things like that. I'm constantly traveling. If I'm going to New York, I'm going to like, if I'm going to New York for the book fair, I'm going to schedule extra days and I'm going to like go have coffee with an artist that I've been seeing or what, you know, like that I'm super interested in their work. Uh, other artists who I've worked with and I trust will give me the name of somebody and be, you know, that just happened recently with Paul Sapuya. Um, I was working on a book with him and he said, Hey, I've been buying these photographs from this woman in New Orleans, Carla Williams. She's got this archive of black vernacular stuff. That's really incredible. And she just posted these photos that she made like in the eighties, self-portraits. And he showed me like two of them and I was like, Paul, you, I have to be in touch with her like immediately, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And now we're, she and I are working on a very large monograph of her, of work that she made for 20 years that no one has seen. Mm -hmm. And she's only made self-portraits and I think that they're some of the most important work that I've ever been a part of. So that, you know, all credit to Paul for exposing me to that person because Paul knew my interests, right? right? Paul, Paul knew that I would be interested in like seeing this work. Yep. And so it comes through trusted colleagues that I've built friendships and relationships with over the years. It comes from me being out in the world and just constantly looking at things. And it comes occasionally from submissions. I'll tell you that there's only been two books that I've ever printed that have come on cold submission. Mm -hmm. I've never, you know, out of all the books that I've done, only two of them have come on cold submission. So there's not really one way. If I'm interested in it and if it's good, I like to think like it'll cross my path sometime. Yeah. Um, but if it's the hot new artist that like I should be knowing about, I'm generally like not interested. You know, <laughs> like if it's like everybody's talking about this person and like I'm generally, generally like not. I have to be just totally interested in the work. And that goes back to it, this not really being a business for me, but being right. like an extension of my art practice, yep. you know. Yeah, well, I don't know I, if that answered think, the question or not. No, no, I th yes, and I think that's great. And I, I, I'll just sort of only half joking say that at least um, give people hope that it, that that you you have done two books that came on on cold submission. So there's <laughs> hope for people. Um, the bottom line is it has to be it has to contribute in some way to photography to the to the conversation of photography, mm -hmm. right? If it's just another book, 
like I don't, I can't do it. If it's contributing in some way to the dialogue of like pushing the photography peanut forward, then I want to do it. Then yeah. I want to be a part of it. You yeah. know? Well, I like it. I love it. Paul, thank you so much for spending so much time with me today, hanging out, talking. I love talking with you. And if you're going to be at the New York Art Book Fair, then I'll see you. I will be there. Uh, it's a little, little different now that I'm flying out of Mexico to come back to the States to do these things. But yeah, I'll be there. I'm excited to see a bunch of people who I haven't seen in a long time Yeah, because uh, of the pandemic, you know, it's like, know. feels like this, feels like this like long void that we've been in. So yeah, it'll be really good to see people. Hopefully I see you there. Definitely. And, um, Definitely. Yeah. This uh, has been fun. Thanks, all right. Thanks for having me. Thank I you, Paul. It. Thank you. Take care. You're welcome. You take care. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. Photo Work with Sasha Wolf is produced by me, Michael Chauvin Dalton of Real Photo Show. The associate producer is Taylor Selsback, and the executive producer is Sasha Wolf. Our theme music is by J. Walter Hawks. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe and rate us with all the stars available on your listening platform. 